Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. So, Casper, I was 29 years old. And I had a really good job and I decided to apply to divinity school. And something that looking back is just like uncanny to me is, you know, how close I am to my parents. I talk to my parents all the time. Yep. I somehow managed to not tell them that I was applying to divinity school and thinking about quitting my career and moving cities (laughs) until I had decided. And I think it was because I didn't know if it was the right thing. It was Mm. a, big leap. And I didn't want their voices in my head. I was like, I Mm. have enough voices in my head right now. I have 18 voices in my head right now. And I don't need two more. And knowing that both of their voices have 18 voices, right? I was like, I definitely Mm. don't need 36 more voices in my head. Yeah. It's wild how we can sometimes know for which decision we need which voices in our head. Yeah. And I think one of the challenges for Maria Len, who we're going to speak to in just a moment, and for so many people when they're navigating big decisions, is to figure out, like, which voices do I need? Or, like, how can I trust the voices of the people that I love or the voices in my head? Like, how do I know how to make a decision? Because it can be really hard. Yeah. I'm Casper Terkyle. And I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And this is The Real Question. Today, we're joined by Marie-Hélène, who is in Quebec City, one of my new favorite cities. And Marie-Hélène works for an environmental nonprofit, is a huge bookworm, and loves gardening and food. So thank you so much for joining us, Marie-Hélène. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Marie-Hélène, I just was in the beautiful city that you live in, and it turns out fabulous food culture, incredible giant castle, but also, and most challengingly, a never-ending staircase (laughs) that goes up the hill. I have never been so out of breath, sweaty and cold in a snowstorm at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, you you live like the real Quebec City is 
staircase in snow in the winter. That that's it. That's the whole experience. <laughs> God, that literally sounds like a Greek tragedy. <laughs> so, Marie-Hélène, tell us a little bit about what brings you onto the show today. Yeah, well, that's a bit of a story. So, um, I, I guess the first thing you should know about me is that I'm I'm really curious. I like I like to learn uh, to expand my horizons. So I'm interested in a lot of different things. And, you know, add on top of that, uh, that I'm really bad at making decisions. <laughs> I don't like to, to cut options out. And, you know, where, when facing a choice, I'm really good at finding all the, the pros and cons of both sides. Mm. So as a result, I studied in a lot of different courses. Here in Quebec, we have what we call a CEGEP, which is a degree over high school and before university for two or three years usually. And well, I spent four years at CEGEP trying <laughs> studies in uh, design, arts, cinema and humanities. Wow. And then I went on to university where I completed a bachelor's degree in religious sciences. Then I, I completed also a master in public relations and a certificate in sustainable development. So a lot of different studies and a lot of them were multidisciplinary. And I feel like now is a good time to mention that it is cheap to study in Quebec, you know, <laughs> way cheaper than the, in the US. But through all of those years, I began to really like worry that I would ever find something that I really love and that I'm really good at. And like it was clear that I had like a tendency to change path as soon as something didn't feel quite right or if I didn't succeed in my classes. So I made the decision to really try to push through my hesitations and persevere even when I'm not convinced I'm that I'm at the right, right place because I I don't want to always be like fickle minded or mm. something. And today I've been working for the same organization for seven years. And of course, uh, from time to time I have doubt. I, I I wonder if I should change job, but either I ignore it or I like consciously try to persevere to see where this could lead me. And now I'm, I, I feel like I'm more aware of my own, own thought patterns, but I don't trust them anymore. I feel like somehow I, I gaslighted myself. I, like, I don't know when I'm relying on perseverance or when I'm being stubborn to prove that I can stick to something or when I'm just like avoiding change because I'm afraid of like to be disappointed again. Like there's a part of my brain that is, I'm just being stubborn. I'm just really trying to prove to myself and to the people around me that I'm not this caricature of myself that is always changing. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of other alternatives and I feel like I've I've seen it all a bit about seven years. And so the question really is is present in my mind a lot uh, in in this time. Yeah. Mm. So it sounds like the question that's wrapped up in this story is like, can I trust myself to know when it's time to leave? Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Can I ask, why wouldn't you just change your job in order to learn that about yourself? You know, like do it in the most responsible, boring way, right? Like secure your next job before you leave this job, <laughs> have a few months of savings in case you hate the new job. But like, why not just try that? Yeah, well, I, I guess I, I really, it just, maybe not a trauma, but I, I'm really like 
triggered by having been disappointed again and again by mm. the choices I've made uh, in my studies. So it's not like I don't love my job anymore. It, it is fine. There's a lot of things that I still love about it. It's more that I, I don't think that it is the best place for me to be. Mm. So like, should I sacrifice this good, but maybe not good enough <laughs> for maybe something better, but how would I know if it will be better? So yeah, I, I know that there, that there's a lot of fear, but mm -hmm. yeah. And it sounds like that fear comes from having chosen new things in the past that were not the right fit. And I'm really struck by your kind of your story about your studies and all of these different pathways that you explored. Can, can you tell us how it felt to switch degrees or switch your focus so many times during your studies? What was that like? Yeah, well, at first it was really based on disappointment because I, I was really focused on art hmm. and I've always seen myself as, you know, an, a crafty and artsy girl. And I realized that I was really good at appreciating art but not so good at doing it yes. <laughs> so um <laughs> this realization hit hard but you know there are a few years when the changing itself was was good i was liking you know seeing a lot of different paths and uh, different you know exploring different mm. topics when i came to university in, in divinity school this was the time that i really found like uh, my, my spot, like, I, I felt like I belonged, hmm. but it is not, uh, I don't know how it is in the US, but uh, in Quebec, when you're studying in that uh, domain, you really have to carve yourself, your, your own path, you have to make your own job, there is not like a clear, <laughs> a clear career path before you. And I think that does not fit well with my personality, I'm hmm. not like bold enough for that. So that's when I, I really changed for uh, for public relation as like a a secure way. Uh, uh. I, I bet on like okay, I'm good at writing, and there are jobs in that area, so I will go in in communications. But now I feel like I let myself down at that moment. You know, I mm. I should have probably persevered in in the religious sciences, but. It was fear that kept me from, mm. from advancing, I guess. Mm. I'm going to try to tell you a different version of the story. And you can be like, nope, you're wrong. Or like, oh, maybe. Okay. Those are your two options. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a system in place for education in Quebec. And it is not something that really works for you. And so rather than just doing the two or three year option, you really take your time and do this four year option. You are thinking, I only have one precious life. I'm going to take my time and figure it out. Then you go to art school and you deal with this disappointment of like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do everything I want to do. And so you try to make the best of it and you move on and you change majors and you learn more and more about yourself. And then you're like, oh, I love this one thing, but I also want job security. And I'm not sure what job security looks like on the divinity school path. So I'm going to go in communications. And then you find a job and you stick it out there for seven years because you really like it a lot. And now you're like, do you know what? Maybe I don't like this enough. 
And so now you're like, hmm, which of my past decisions will help serve me in this next decision? That's my story. What are your thoughts about my story? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it feels quite right. I think that's a good, a, a good way to tell it. When, when you were speaking, I was just thinking about the fact that, you know, if, I, if it was a choice, I would choose to always be a student. Mm. Uh -huh. uh, honestly, if I, if I could be paid to study, that's what I'd do. Casper is like, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, w when listening to you, I'm like, well, of course I should change. But it doesn't feel that clear when I'm, I'm in this situation. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's so important, right? Like, I'm not trying to dismiss all of your doubts, right? Of your lived reality of what it feels like. I just, just want to reflect from the outside. You look awesome. <laughs> Thank you. And Maria Elena, you know, underneath this question about the specifics of do I stay or do I go in this job? It sounds like something about trusting your instinct. Like, can I trust my own instinct? Can I trust my judgment? Like, I'm so curious. Can you tell us a little bit more about that thing that maybe is underneath? Yeah. Uh, well, I really do not know how to trust my instinct anymore, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And it, it has worsened uh, mm -hmm. throughout time. Um, you know, when, when I'm having to make a choice, even like really trivial ones, like buying a new winter jacket. Uh, I'm digging for more information and, and really like taking time to compare everything I can. And I think I'm looking too much into uh, facts and, you know, mm. rational arguments. And when there are irrational arguments, like emotions in the mix, I don't know how they fit in. I don't know how to compare them. And I don't know what to do with like desires or our emotions. I don't know how. Yeah. Like, this is so strange to me because like the way in which as adults, I would think we would get better and better at making decisions. But I feel like because we, we have experiences where we feel like, oh, maybe that wasn't the right choice. Or how did I not know this was happening while it was right in front of me or what, whatever the situation is, that it feels like our, our skills or our understanding of our skills <laughs> goes backwards rather than forwards. And then you, what I hear you doing is like holding on to the facts of being, well, let me look at the things that are definitely for sure, right? Like this jacket has a higher rating or like this jacket is less expensive. And so even though I want the other one, the facts are pointing this way. So I should do that, right? But you still yeah. want the other one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. So I know that you mentioned that if you could do anything, you would just be a student forever. But I'm wondering if you left your job, do you have an idea of what you would want to do? Yeah, well, well, the thing that is now really in my, my thoughts that I'm trying to make a decision about is uh, about, believe it or not, going back to school. Because yeah. <laughs> there is a new uh, master degree in equity, diversity, and inclusion hmm. that I'm really interested in. But I'm not sure it is worth it to, you know, go back to school. There are financial stakes mm -hmm. in that decision. And will I really have a job that is uh, relevant to this new degree? I don't know. Will it really be better than my current job? I don't know. So like, it's, it's all that uncertainty that really 
keeps me back, I think. Does it have to be better than your current job or can it just be next? Um, I guess it it should be as good, okay. at least. I don't yeah, want yeah, it yeah. to be worse. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And when you say as good, do you mean a salary? Do you mean the relationship with colleagues? Do you mean the tasks that you're doing are interesting? What do you mean when you say good? Yeah. Well, ideally all of it, but um, I know that like the, the toughest part for me to leave my job would be to leave my, my team yes. uh, for seven years. Of course, I have, I have friends in there. Um, I guess it's more about like the task and the responsibilities, I guess, that I really want to have something that is more close to who I am and what I like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Marielle, I feel like we have a very strong, beautiful understanding of, of where you're at. Should we turn to our first text to explore a little further? Yeah, sure. So what is the first text that you've brought with you today? So this text is from uh, the novel Independent People, which is by Icelandic author Haldor Laxness, who is also the 1955 Nobel Prize in Literature. And uh, it is a novel from the 1930s, and it's, uh, globally it's a story about poor Icelandic farmers uh, in the beginning of the 20th century. And the, the first quote I have is, is from a longer paragraph. And if it's okay with you, I will read it one time, like the long version, and come back to the quote. So it goes like this. One is a realist. One has put up with it all ever since childhood. One has had the courage to look it full in the eye, possibly courage enough to look it in the eye all one's life long. Then one day, the distances beckon with their floating possibilities, and in one's hands are the admission tickets, two slips of blue paper. One is a realist no longer. Mm. One has finished putting up with it all. One no longer has the courage to look it in the eye. One is in the power of beckoning hospitable distances, floating possibilities, perhaps forever afterwards. Perhaps one life is over. Mm. And so the part that I want to focus on is then one day the distances become with their floating possibilities and in one's hands are the admission tickets, two slips of blue paper, one is a realist no longer. I am obsessed with this text. I want to read this book now. It's so beautifully written. What what made you want to choose this for, for our first text today? Yeah, I, I felt it interesting because, you know, somehow the text is telling us like, it, it judges persistent as good and, and change as bad uh, as a way to run from responsibilities. Like it's not being realist to reach for other possibilities. So, you know, to, to put it back in the context of the novel, the paragraph is from the main character's son perspective. And he had received the tickets to uh, go to America. Uh. And so he can escape the bleak future of a sheep farmer after his father. And so he's really tempted to go, but he's thinking what my father is thinking about this is probably that I'm not able to put up with it, that I'm, that my life is over, that I'm being uh, disloyal. So there's like a, a tension between like, I, I really want to go, but I feel like I, I'm judged badly for doing so. Mm. Marie-Hélène, are you the father or the son in this passage? 
I'm here with the sun. You know, the, the, the admissions ticket are a temptation for mm -hmm. me. You know, the, there are really is like an appeal to, to leave. Mm. Yeah. What do you think the sun should do? Uh, I, I definitely think he could leave because really it's a really bad situation he's in, <laughs> in that farm, really. Yeah, sheep farming in Iceland in the 1930s is maybe not your first choice. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so I understand that, right, like you're implying that he should leave because he's in a bad situation, but I shouldn't leave because I'm in a good situation. But if we think he should go, why, why shouldn't you? Is it really just as simple as that, that it like feels ungrateful or? Yeah, I feel like what this text is telling about, you know, the, the judging part of the text still has an impact on me somehow because I feel deeply that it is running from responsibilities to, mm. to choose to leave. And, you know, sooner in the conversation, you, you told me that I, I wasn't afraid to commit or something like that. And I was surprised because I feel like I'm afraid to commit because I feel like leaving is is just another way for me to to not commit fully to to something mm. and to run from my responsibilities. Do you have you lived into other commitments in your life outside of your career? Like have you had friends for a long time or hobbies for a long yes, of time? Course. Okay, yeah. yes, of course. Yeah, I'm in a relationship with the, the same pe the same person for like 14 years, so... Marie-Hélène, yeah. <laughs> what is this? Okay, come on now. Come. Okay, so we are clearly missing some vital detail of your life. What what, <laughs> what are the responsibilities that you would be letting down? Ap apart from, <sighs> you know, being able to pay your bills. Like, is there, like, are there caring responsibilities? Did you, did you make a, a life promise to work... For this organization, when you signed up, what else is there? <laughs> Blood bonds. Blood bonds. Yes. <laughs> no. Okay, not that bad. But um, I feel like uh, I really have a, a strong belonging to my job and my role in the team. I, I'm really responsible for the others a lot, and yes. mm -hmm. I, I know that like by by leaving the the day I'm leaving I'm taking a, a big part with me you know yes. that that I, I have a lot of uh, the history of the organization a lot of like how things work and I guess that's like what I, I really feel responsible for. Um, if there was someone on your team who was like it's time for me to go but I'll be letting you all down because I'm the keeper of the keys on all these things. What would you say to them? Of course, I, I would encourage them to go, but I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the role that is also like, oh, now I have a really big problem and I have to like find a new person for this role. So it's, it's just that I see like the, the problematic part of leaving, but yeah. Of course, like for the person, I would tell them, go and live your life. But yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say something bold and you can be like, whoa, Vanessa, none of your business. Back the heck off. I think, you know, you should leave your job or you know, let me rephrase. I think you should leave your job. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have proven to yourself that you are a responsible person who is completely capable of commitment when it's a commitment that you cherish and that is serving you and is serving the world. And I think, and you said this, right? Like, I'm not about to make some breakthrough for you. That that thing you actually want to break out of 
is this like self-doubt, indecision, self-torture spiral. Mm. And that is a real thing of trying to get you out of it. But I like you would tell someone in your circumstance to leave this job. You want this guy in this text to get on the fricking boat. <laughs> like you outside of yourself would tell you to go. And I just want to name that, that like, and there's going to be a right time and there are financial considerations to make. And maybe you need to plan for it for two years in order to save enough. And, you know, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do, but I see you as someone who's super capable of commitment, a 14 year relationship and seven years at a job. Those are both things that I've never done. (laughs) And I don't, I like, obviously you should go. I feel, I I, I agree with what you say. I feel like that's right. I guess that's, it's more about what to do next. You know, I I don't know where to go really. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if like going back to school is really the right thing or I should look for another job. So it's really the part of of uncertainty ahead that I don't know where, what to do with. Mm. And, you know, to maybe to come back to my, my question, you know, to my first question, it's more about like, you know, how to trust my instinct, how to trust when I'm right. really making a, a choice based on on good decisions and not on fear and not on stubbornness or, or something else. Yeah. I'm so curious about these slips of blue paper because for the young man who is potentially leaving Iceland, I'm seeing maybe the difference between your experience and his, which is his is cold Iceland sheep farming (laughs) debt bondage. His stasis is bad. And your stasis is like, okay, it's not bad enough that you're like, I will get on this boat because it's anything apart from this. Your situation is like, Look, I could take these slips of paper. Could be better, could be worse. I don't want to make the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. And so if I, what I'm hearing in, in what you've shared is like, maybe there's something about the task at hand, which is less about deciding to stay or leave and more about like, okay, so figuring out what are the options of what's next. We know that studying is one. We know that finding another job is another. Maybe there are more options. And of course, within those two, there's choices about what to study and what other jobs it might be. How have you made decisions like that in the past? Like, do you try things out and then choose the one you like? Do you like talk to lots of people who've done those things and find out? Do you like really center yourself and find quiet space to reflect? How how do you make a decision like that? That's a really good question. Um, I think I'm, I'm taking all the opportunities that you just told, like, I will talk a lot about my reflections with others. I will look for the more information I can. Um, I will really take time to reflect. And I'm really too good for my own good at making lists of pros and cons. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it always come out like balance, you know, the list. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so... It's not that I, you know, I really reflect a lot, but too much. I overthink things, really. So at the end, when I'm, you know, when I have this list and I have talked to everybody, I'm still stuck at the same point where I don't know what I want, really. You know, that's the the desire in me that I don't know how to 
discern in all of this, I think. Because, mm. yeah, I, I'm about to, to say like, okay, this path has this and this and this like good part and this other path would be better for this and this and this, but okay, then what? <laughs> Something Ariana teases me about because I say it all the time is that I often feel like if I knew what the right thing to do was, no matter how hard it was, I truly believe I would be able to do it, right? Like if it was obvious to me, this is the right thing to do, like no problem. And the problem is that we don't know what the right thing to do is, right? Yeah. So I just feel for you so much of like, I can do hard things. I just don't know which hard thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that this might be a great moment to move to our second text. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What is your second text? So my second quote is from a Canadian author. You know, I had to. <laughs> so it's from Jan Martel's Life of Pi, a 2001 novel, but that has been brought up to screen uh, later by Ang Lee. So, uh, well, as you might know, this is the story of Pi, who is a young Indian boy who survives the, the sinking of a ship and has to survive on a really uh, a little rescue boat with a tiger for more than 200 days. The quote I chose is from the first part of the novel, so it's before the departure from India, where the main theme of the novel there is about fate and different religions. Mm. And the quote goes as this, to choose doubt as a philosophy of life is akin to choosing immobility as a means of transportation. Mm. 
So what does this quote mean to you? Well, honestly, I, wa I was looking for a quote about self-doubt. This quote speaks to me because I often feel like a really passive person. I, I tend to let things happen around me without wanting to interfere myself. And when I'm, I'm failing to make a hard decision, I feel like I'm, I'm stuck at an intersection. Like I, I don't want to move in any, mm -hmm. any direction. So like the, the, the immobility word here really strikes me. It's, it's how I feel. Yeah, really. Do you, do you feel like you have chosen doubt as a philosophy of life? A bit by default, I guess. Not, not really a, a, a conscious choice, but I feel like I'm always doubting. So it's like I had chosen it. Yeah. Hmm. What would it look like to stop choosing doubt? I guess I really just don't know how to do that and how, what it would look like. It's been so many years that I'm in, in this like cycle of self-doubt that I don't know how it is outside of it. Marie-Elena, can you tell us how does Pi arrive on land? Well, yeah, that's been quite a, a time when, since I read the book. But yeah, he, he arrived in Mexico with, with the tiger still. But he's he's floating, right? It's like the, the waves and the tide and the wind yeah. takes the raft to land, ultimately. Yes, exactly. I, I What I keep thinking is that you've said this a couple of times, like when I just listen to myself, I hear all of those lists and it's actually confusing because there is no clarity in just what I want. And I'm I'm just so curious, like what are the waves or what is the wind in your life that is not about like you steering somewhere, but that it's taking you somewhere? Where are you being taken by, by life or this time or the people that you know? Hmm. Well, somehow I feel like the waves are when I'm not making choice to change, like uh, when I'm just l keeping in the same place and looking for what will come up. You know, I, I've thought about my own life for a long time in like a book that has chapters. And right now I feel like I've been in the same chapter for a very long time. And I don't know if if it's for me to turn the page mm. and change chapter, or if, you know, I let the waves let me where, where the chapter goes and I see, mm. I, I let it end on its own term, mm. I guess. Yeah, so I, I don't really know what are the waves or where they are bringing me, mm. um, but I really have a strong connection with that in my head with like, with passivity. Mm. I think it's beautiful the way you said that of... I feel like my life is made of a, a book with chapters, but I don't know if it's on me to close this chapter. I think it's, mm. that's really a beautiful way of saying that. So you live to 110 years old and you're laying in your bed with 300 adoring people around you, just <laughs> telling you how wonderful you are and you're snuggling with a wonderful puppy and you're looking back on your life, what version of your life are you like, man, I did pretty great? Oh, that's such a hard question. Uh, it's really one that I always struggle. 30 seconds or less, go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really have struggled to, to answer this because I feel like I could answer the, the best version would be, oh, I, I tried a lot of different things and I really like 
followed just my my desire and my instinct but i would also judge it positively i think if i kept to one thing and pushed through and persevered and was able to prove to myself that i can uh, see something to the to the completion <laughs> i don't know and you mm. don't think seven years at a job and a 14-year relationship has proven that to you it doesn't feel that way yeah no it doesn't feel that way would anything yeah. feel that way? Well, I don't know because I've I've never I've never encountered it. <laughs> Marie Hélène, as we come towards the close of our conversation, I'm 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 left with two feelings. One is that you are very hard on yourself. Like the the, the facts do not line up with the story you are telling, <laughs> at least in how in how you've shared it with us. And that makes me a little sad, I have to say. Just just seeing that discrepancy between the wonderful person that you clearly are, talented, caring, insightful, passionate, and this sense of, of doubt that is, that is in, your, in your story. So that's one feeling I have. And then the other is my sense is just after talking to you this morning, I don't know if like more introspection is the thing that will get you to an answer. And I wonder if, where you will get certainty is if other people release you from the responsibilities that you feel. Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder what it would be like for your colleagues to say, we love you. We need you. We've, we've depended on you and we release you if it's the right thing for you. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's exactly what I was talking about. That's where I, I tend to, you know, make myself in a situation like I have no power and yes I'm like waiting for someone else to tell me okay now that's all right now you can yeah. go yeah. and and I agree with you that more introspection is clearly isn't the right way to go I'm <laughs> completely aware of that it's just my my default mode but yeah. um I guess that like the next step should really be like taking action some action like just moving in some way it just really so not my my natural disposition that it really hard to do. <laughs> yes, but you're a sheep farmer in Iceland, and you can do hard things. <laughs> <laughs> what is what is the action that you're like? Okay, I see it. It's hard, but I see it. What what would you say it is? Well, like in the most immediate sense, right now, like I have just a few days still to apply for this uh, master degree in equity, diversity and inclusion. So mm. I guess I could at least apply, you know, yes. I'm not like selling my soul to it. <laughs> That's just kicking the decision down the road. Then you're going to get in and not know what to do. Yes, but that's a different situation. The application closes in a few days. We're saying yes to the application. To me, that is a what Harvard Business School would call a technical solution to an adaptive problem. Mm. And that is what I'm noticing in this whole conversation is that you are looking for external decisions that have a application due date to try to create an assessment of yourself. And I actually am wondering if instead of being forward-looking and creating an assessment of yourself, you reflected backwards and saw what I think Casper and I would both acknowledge we see, which is someone who is clearly able 
to make a commitment and is not egotistical because you are putting the concerns of your team before your own concerns and who is open to learning. And you're like, oh my God, I I now know that I need to know this other thing and is very brave. And to me, this is not about what to do next. This is about Hmm. how to learn to love yourself and not even trust yourself, right? Because none of us trust ourselves. We all don't know what we're doing, but just to love yourself no matter what. Staying at this job might end up really bad. Maybe it'll shut down. Staying at this job might be great. Going to school might be bad, right? But like you have proven to yourself that you can handle all of that. And to me, like certainly apply for this program, but I I don't care if you apply for the program. I just really want you to stop telling yourself these negative stories about yourself because you're never going to know. None of us know. And everyone who acts like they know, right, like to say a cliche is either lying or trying to sell you something. (laughs) Truly. And again, like within reason, don't be totally irresponsible. I want you to have retirement savings. But I don't know. I like love yourself while staying Love yourself while leaving. Mm. Love yourself while staying two more years and then leaving. Pie, to some extent, makes the best of being on a boat where his parents have just died and now he's stuck with a tiger. And he does it. One of the things that I remember loving about this book is that they don't become best friends. He is like figuring out how to live in harmony enough with this tiger on this small raft. And what he decides is that he's not going to kill it. He's not going to try to push it overboard. So he's like making good decisions in the moment. And like, that's all, I feel like that's all any of us can ask from ourselves. Mm. We're all in boats with a tiger, right? Like there's no good decision. He just does his best and it vaguely works out with a lot of trauma. (laughs) It like vaguely works out. Yeah, I don't know. You've made nothing but good decisions. It's not like you're deciding whether or not to keep clubbing seals or to change careers. (laughs) This is a really hard decision. Transitions are hard. You're going to have doubts about it no matter what you do. Mm -hmm. It's just about having patience and love for yourself Mm -hmm. in the meantime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess it's making, making peace with uncertainty too. Yeah. Not, not feeling like it's a bad thing to to be uncertain. Yeah. yeah, I feel like the tiger is the uncertainty. The tiger is the doubt. And you, frankly, you can't push it off because it's just going to stay there. Or at least this uncertainty doubt tiger can swim really well and climb back on the raft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it can swim. It'll, it can, come, it'll back. come back. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's, not, that's not the solution. <laughs> or if it drowns, you're going to feel guilty right. about it. Right? No matter what. <laughs> You've been stuck on a boat with a tiger. Mm -hmm. So like, no matter what, it just is what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it's, if I'm remembering correctly, because I have not read this book in 20 years, I think Pi, the character, writes this book. And what he does is say, it's really hard, but I did my best and I end up safe in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing to me that you want to learn from Pi. Mm -hmm. Is when you're looking back and writing your own story, you do it with some self-compassion 
and with realism, right? Like pie's not like, and I was a hero. <laughs> I did everything right and I was awesome. And the tiger and I are now best friends, right? Like with some realism, but also with just some spaciousness. Mm. So Maria Len, as we come to the close of this conversation, there's certainly no easy answers to it. But I'm wondering, is there a thought that you want to hold on to? Is there something you want to remember from this conversation as you move through everything the future will bring? Yeah, well, I feel like I really should try to maybe tame the doubt and, mm. you know, to to feel like I, I have to live side by side with it anyway. So I should just like accept that fact and not care that much that it is there with me. Mm. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'll try to be more self-compassionate through it, I guess. Yeah. Mm. So after this conversation, if you had to guess what you are going to do next, what do you think it might be? <laughs> I think that I will, you know, spend this this season, you know, this year still in my job because it it isn't a right time to leave anyway, uh, and I I have to plan, like you said, Vanessa. Anyway, so um, yeah, I feel like I will stay for um, one more year and then probably move on to something else. That's what I've, I'm feeling right now. Well, please let us know. And every once in a while, just be like, how would Casper and Vanessa <laughs> see me in this moment? Sure. Marie-Ellen, thank you so much for being with us and, and for sharing this question. Thank you for having me. It was really a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> and we have such a great maxim today from Jason from Washington State. And the quote is, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. And if you have a maxim in your life that you would like to share with us, go to realquestionpod.com and submit a maxim. We would love to hear from you. You've been listening to The Real Question. Please do check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash realquestionpod. We have some amazing perks there. If you love our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. And you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at realquestionpod or on Twitter at realqpod. We have to shout out our BFF tier patrons. We don't just have to, but we like to. Amanda Schramm, Aof Hugh, Ashley Mail, Eloise Faring, Mary Margaret, Stephanie Federwish, Jenny Cruz, Kristen Hall, Becky Boo, and Ari. We are Not Sorry Production. Our executive producer is Ariana Nettleman. We are mixed by Erica Wong, and our music is by Nick Bull. We are distributed by Acast. Thank you so much to Maria Len for joining us. Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Laura Glass, AJ Aramas, Gabby Iori, and Stephanie Paulsell. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.